few minutes out of your day to listen to this message. This is the Journey Church Podcast. Our hope is that it leads you closer to Jesus and encourages you to live your life on mission for Him. For more information about our church and how you can get involved in what God is doing at Journey, please visit jrny.church. What's up, everyone? It's great to be with you at church today. Uh, Whether you're joining us for the first or second time, or this is your church, man, it's good to be with you at all of our campuses. What's up, Limerick, Plymouth Meeting, Phoenixville, Royersford, Montgomeryville, and everybody who's joining us online today. Man, it's great to be with you at church. Let's jump right into God's Word today. Uh, last Sunday, if you were here, you remember we started a brand new message series called One Man's Trash. You know, you know the saying, one man's trash is another man's Come on, I know, I know it's on video, some of you, it's early in the morning, let's say it again, one man's trash is another man's treasure. The, the, the theory behind it is for everything that we think is not valuable, there's somebody out there that probably will find value. There's things that you call trash that other people have figured out, and there's, 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 there's actually a treasure, there's actually a treasure here, and interestingly enough, to find treasure you have to dig. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to dig in, into the, uh, the, the history of your life, the, the experiences of your life, and there's, there's moments where I think you would say, that moment was completely trash, that was very difficult, that was a waste of time, where I think if you, were, if you would reconsider it, that you would see, man, no, maybe God wanted to do something uh, really significant with that moment. And so last Sunday, uh, we took on the story of Joseph. You remember, Joseph's brothers were jealous of him, sold him into slavery. And uh, years later, they reconnected. Joseph is now uh, a second in command, vice president, so to say, of Egypt. And he is responsible actually for saving the empire uh, because he knew a famine was coming. And so now his brothers come and they need food. And he is the one responsible. And they are terrified. And what does he tell his brothers? Hey, listen, I figured out a long time ago, you think that you sold me into slavery, but I have figured out that, that I was sent, that, that for some people, this might have been a trash moment, but I have figured out this is actually a really significant moment in my life. So I told you, there's moments where you feel like, like I don't know why I'm there. I don't know why that God sent me there. And I encourage you to, to really dive into two, two questions. One, stop asking yourself why and start trying to figure out what. What does God want me to learn in this moment and then stop trying to figure out how and just do what you can do now. Remember I gave you a few things. Uh, Commit what you can commit, control what you can control, and let the rest in God's hands. And so uh, today, uh, you can go back and check that out. Today, uh, we're going to dive into week number two and the title of my message, if there was one, uh, would be, what was God thinking? Like, what was God, you you ever been there? You ask somebody like, what were you thinking? When I was about 13 years old, I went to my mom and dad's bathroom, got his, his beard trimmer out, and uh, I'm not sure which famous rapper it was, Vanilla Ice, somebody like that, had shaved a line in his, in his eyebrow. And so I was a white kid from Boyertown, so I was obviously urban and hip. And so I took my dad's uh, razor out, trimmer out, and I didn't just save one line of my eyebrow. I saved lines all the way down. But I figured, listen, Vanilla Ice has one you know, line or whatever rapper was, I'll do 10. And so I shaved 10 lines, in my eyebrows, came downstairs, uh, and my, I remember my parents asking me, what, what were you thinking? Like, why, why did you do that? And, and today, I want to dive into those moments of your life. I want to dive into the moments where they're almost so painful for you to think about um, that you don't even like to talk about them. 
I want you to think about that right now. The moments, we all have them. If I think about my childhood, uh, 10 to 15 different moments in my life come up. In fact, uh, a few months ago, our staff kind of shared our stories. And so I was the last one to go, and mainly because I didn't want to do it. And so I was the last one to go, and I wrote down kind of my story. And as I started to talk about it, like when, when you write it down, it's different than when you verbalize it. Because when you verbalize it, you're bringing it out of your mind into the real world, and you're having to relive it. And I began to relive some of these moments that, that have really been uh, foundational in my life, good and bad. And as I talked about them, it, it almost became emotional. And I, I think that'll happen. Even, even though, you know, uh, I'm asking you and people are around you, I think if you really dig into your, into your story, there's actually moments in your life that are, that are very e- emotional on, on many different levels. And I think oftentimes with those moments, we don't like to think about them, and we would call them trash moments. These, these, are mo- these moments, they're very difficult. Uh, these, these abandonment, this, this, this abuse, this letdown, uh, this, 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 this moment where somebody talked negatively or hurtful towards me, uh, they, 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 they let me down, they said they were going to do something and they didn't do it. And these moments are, are devastating to our souls and we would call them trash moments. And, and oftentimes when, when, when we have those moments, we'll say, what, what were you thinking? Like, what, what, why did that happen? What were you thinking in that moment? And so what I want to do is I want to read that verse we read last week, you remember, in the book of James 1. And it's a pretty important verse for a follower of Jesus Christ. And this is what it says. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. Here's what James is saying. He's saying, man, consider, re, like, think about it again. And that's, that's what I want to do. I want you to rethink about these moments. I want you to find the value. I want you to see the treasure in the moments, not just to call them trash and bury them down, because some of you, you're missing the hidden treasure in, in, in the moments. And so here's what I want to do. I want to show you how God works in those moments. I want to show you how God works in those, those moments in your life where it's almost like, it's almost too painful for you to talk about. Like, it's almost excruciating for you to even think about why God would allow you to go through that and how he works in, in those moments. What was God thinking and doing in those moments? Because I think if I can show you this, that will, it will actually bring a, a lot of clarity and peace and joy and purpose in your life. So let me just give you a few how, how it works kind of thoughts. Number one is this, is I want you to know that God invokes development through destruction. God, in your life, he invokes. That word means he puts into action. He, he, he does. He invokes uh, development through destruction. You see, what happens in our lives is we often see what I would call a development of destruction. We, what do we see? We see, we see pain. We see hurt. We see letdown. We see abandonment. We, we look at them. We say that is a development. That is, that is a destructive area of, of my life. But God, I want you to know, he often invokes development through destruction. In other words, there's a meaning behind that mess. There's a meaning behind that mess. A few weeks ago, I went into my son's room, Harrison, and, uh, I talked to him, and when I, when, I, when I was tucking him in to go to bed, I said, hey, it's time to clean up your room. And so I yelled a few minutes earlier, go clean up your room. And, and I came into his room, and it wasn't cleaned up at all. And there was literally, there was stuff everywhere. There was stuff on, it was worse than it's ever been. There was stuff on the windows. There was stuff on his bed frame, every, all across his dressers. There was stuff. There was stuff hanging from things. And I said, Harrison, your room is a mess. Like, what are, what are you doing? Your room is, me- I told you to pick it up. You know how you get when you're a parent. You're going to tell them what's wrong. And so my voice is going up. 
up and he says in a cute little five-year-old voice, this not a mess. And I said, this is a mess. This is, you messed your whole room up. This is worse than it's ever been. This is not a mess. He says, I do like you. And I said, what do you mean you do like me? Because I don't do this. And he said, I decorated. He said, I do like you. And I looked around and he had taken baseball cards and stuck them in the crevices of windows and little men. He had, you know, put them strategically along his bed and he had actually taken his time. What he was trying to tell me, there's a meaning behind this mess. This is not that you might see a mess, but there is thought out process and meaning behind this mess. And I want you to understand that God will often invoke development. There's that's the meaning through destructive times in your life. He is often doing something in your life long before he ever begins to do something with your life. He is often doing underneath work long before he ever, ever brings it into the surface. And you need to see that destruction often invokes development in our lives. Watch, watch, watch these, these passages. They kind of reiterate this thought. 2 Corinthians 12, verse number 10 says, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak there, then I am strong. What, what is he saying? All of those things, weakness, pain, persecution, hardships, they make me weak. They destroy my strength. But what invokes from that? What is developed? Christ strength is developed. So all those things, they are invoking destruction in my life, but they are also developing God's strength in my life. Watch what 1 Peter 4 says. He says, but you should rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. What does that, that pain invoke? What does that destruction invoke? It invokes the blessing. What's the blessing? Is it, is it, is it financial? Is it gifts? No. The blessing that you get from that, that's invoked from that destruction, is actually the presence of of God resting in your life. That, that, that destruction often invokes development in our life. I started really diving into that thought this week, that, that, that thought of, of crushing, because here's the thing about, about it. Purpose in your life involves pain. That, that's just reality. The purpose God has for your life, it always involves pain. Pain requires crushing, and crushing enables you to be used by God. And I, I, people told me that before I, I started to be a pastor, but I didn't understand that. Like now, now I fully believe that, that he uses destruction to invoke development, that, that he uses pain for purpose, that before he can use you, he oftentimes has to break you. And I started to look at scripture because I think God wants to show us that all through, all through scripture, like how, how that works. And I, I found it interesting there's objects that the Bible often talks about that all require crushing to be useful, like to, 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 to fulfill their full potential. Like the first one I looked at uh, was grain. And, and grain is beneficial for a lot, but for humans, uh, one of the benefits of it is bread. And in order to turn grain into bread, that's right, what do you got to do? You got to crush it. You got to grind it, right? Then another thing it often talks about is, is grapes and wine. And I started thinking about that. Grapes, for them to become wine, what do you got to do? You got to step on it with your feet, right? You got you to crush it, right? God's sharing something with us. Another thing that he uses oftentimes is, is olive trees. And, and olive trees uh, produce olives, and olives uh, is what they use to make oil. Oil, oftentimes, just to give you a little side note, represents the anointing of God. And so to get to turn olives into oil, you got to press and crush them. You got you to pr pressure on them. 
And it's almost saying to get the presence of God in your life, you have to be crushed to develop into who God wants you to be, to, to be, to be who he wants you to be. You, you have to go through destruction. And so when you, when you wonder to yourself, God, what were you thinking? Uh, if you would step back, maybe you would see that God was developing something inside of you to be used for your life. So, so point number one is always remember that God, that, that he invokes development through destruction. That there's a meaning behind every mess that your life has, has been through. That, that's number one. Let's go to point number two right now. Point number two. God often uses misery as the birthing ground for ministry. Let me give you that one again. God will often use misery as the birthing ground for ministry. So, so let, me, let me just build this for you. Uh, some of you say, okay, God, God, he uses destruction to, de- to develop me. Why? Why? Why does he work like that? Because here's the thing. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, he has a ministry for you on this earth. His ministry is built around the gospel of Jesus Christ, the work of the church. Uh, it's, it's not just about you. Uh, but he has something to do with your life. It's not about making you famous. Uh, it's not about getting you known. It's about making Jesus famous. But for all of us, our highest purpose, the reason we're on this earth, our contentment, our joy, will be found in understanding what we're called to do. And it's specific to all of us. It looks different. The same calling, we're called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we reach different people. Uh, we stand in different platforms. Uh, we have different opportunities. And so because it's very specific to us, God is developing developing something in us. And here's why it's so important, because the development of destruction in your life, using the painful moments in your life, you need to understand that the misery you've been through in your life is oftentimes the birthing ground for you embracing and understanding the ministry that God has for you. In other words, where God breaks you, there God often begins to make you. Where God breaks you, it's there that God often begins to, 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 to make you. Misery is the foundation oftentimes of, of ministry. There's no pastor that pastors with any type of passion and understanding that, that, that does not cry tears, that does not feel burdens, that does not uh, feel like quitting sometimes, that does not feel overwhelmed, that it's minis- misery that, that, that is really the foundation of, of ministry. And you see it in Scripture over and over and over again. In the Old Testament, if you're a Bible person, you're going to know these names, but if not, maybe you can go back and do a little research. There was a young man named Jeremiah who God said, your job is going to be to, to share my word with my people, but my word is going to be difficult. And the word is going to be, if you don't change, this is all going to be destroyed. Your, your country, your land, your government, your, your temple, everything is going to get destroyed. And this is exactly what happens. In fact, Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet, the, 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 the prophet of misery, because not only did he say what God told him to say, but then he watched what God said was going to happen. And his heart broke. Another, another man, his name was Nehemiah in the, in the Old Testament. Years later, after everything was, was ruined, God is a God of grace and redemption and second chances. And so he allows the people to go back to their, their homeland, but there's no wall to protect them. And Nehemiah hears about it. Now, he is not a builder. The Bible says he's a cupbearer, but something inside of him snaps. And he feels the misery in this situation. And it's because of this misery that he travels home and he begins to lead the project to rebuild this wall. It's misery that is the foundation of ministry. The ultimate example is Jesus. 
He, he, he was a man of sorrows, the Bible says, right? He, he, he carried the weight of the world on his shoulders. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night before uh, he goes to the cross, the Bible says he is, he is crying and, and so much anxiety in his life and fear and, and, and of what he's about to face that he is he's sweating bloods, uh, uh, drops of blood in the garden. I mean, he, he carried the misery of this world. Misery was the foundation for, for, for the ministry of, of the cross. And this is how God works. This is what he does. He develops us through destruction. He allows us to go through pain because he's developing something in us. But here's the thing, because he wants to use it to work something through us. I mean, think about it. All of the the great organizations in this world that raise money for different diseases and different uh, uh, problems, they're started by people who have been through those those circumstances. It's not not often somebody who has never experienced that pain that has a heart and a burden for for that situation. Like, think about it. Uh, the, the, The MS foundation. They raise millions of dollars every year to figure out a cure for multiple sclerosis. Uh, The person who started it, her name was Sylvia Lowry, and and she started it because her brother got MS, and there was no cure for it. And they watched watched him suffer, and they sought answers, and then they they got hundreds of letters back in the mail of other people who also were in the same situation. And she said, you know what, I'm going to dedicate my life to raising money to try to find a cure and answers for this horrible, horrible disease, MS. Uh, the people who started uh, AA, it was started in 1935, and I couldn't even find the names of the real guys. Uh, they don't give their full names, and so in the article it just said Bill W. And, and Dr. Bob S. And I don't know what their last names were, but why do you think they started Alcoholics Anonymous? That's right, because they were alcoholics. They, they, they had a burden for people struggling with this uh, because they've went through it. It was misery that was the foundation for ministry, right? They've been through some bad things. They, they've experienced some addiction, and now they've walked through it, and they want to walk through that process with other people. They had a passion for that because they, they went through that, the pain of that. Uh, there was another girl named Annie Lobert some years ago. I learned about her, and she started an organization called Hookers for Jesus, uh, and, and actually, her, her story is pretty, pretty significant. She, uh, she, she was a prostitute. She dove into the, the sex industry. She gave her body up, uh, ended up, you know, living a life of pain, fast money pain, got cancer, almost died, tried to take her own life, overdosed, end up in the hospital. This is making her, her story really short. And she ended up having an encounter with Jesus Christ, and he completely changed her. And in that moment, uh, he redeemed her, and he set her free. And she decided, I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life because misery is the foundation for ministry. I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life and start an organization that's going to reach out to the, to the women and men of the, of the sex slave industry to let them know there's a God that still loves them, cares about them, has a purpose and a plan for them, that, that she would dedicate her entire life to that, that she understands them, that she comprehends them, that that's what God does. And so some of you, you're wondering, how, how does that look in my life? How, 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 does it, how does it work? Number one, God invokes development through destruction. Why? Because oftentimes the ministry that he wants to accomplish through your life is built on misery. Let me just give you one more thought because this is what begins to happen. Because you go through this pain, uh, because God develops you and you begin to be aware of that and you allow him to use those things, here's what happens. Number three, that's important. Uh, Oftentimes you'll begin to care about what others don't and see what others can't. And this this one's important because I don't know if you've ever cared deeply about something and other people around you did it and you get frustrated with them. Like, let me give you an example. You ever see something in a tree and point it out, it's so cool, this bird, whatever, but it's caught your eye and then you tell your family, your friends, and they don't see it. And you're like, just right there, right in front of my finger. And they just don't see it. And you get what? You get super frustrated with them. And like, you just don't see it. This often happens. 
uh, in God's purpose and plan for your life. God's going to give you something to accomplish, and you're going to begin to see what others can't, right? And, and, and care about what others don't. And don't get frustrated in that moment because that's how God works in our lives. Like I, I remember uh, I was really frustrated for some years with the church and you can just sit around and complain about it. But oftentimes God will say, hey, listen, it's not your job to complain. I've actually called and created you to do something about that. And so I'm going to allow you to go through some things. I'm going to develop something inside of you through painful experiences. I'm going to use that misery for my ministry. And you're going to begin, listen, you're going to begin to care about things other people don't care about and see things other people can't see. It's exactly what happened to Nehemiah. If I could go back to that example. He, he finds out from his brother that the walls are down. His brother doesn't see it. He doesn't care about it. He doesn't, he doesn't want to change his life over it. But God has a specific plan for Nehemiah, a specific calling for Nehemiah. He breaks him, his heart. He builds his ministry through misery. And Nehemiah begins to care about what other people don't care about and see what other people can't see. And this is how God works. And so I want to end with, with, with just one story quickly about about my oldest son, Carter. And oftentimes the stories that I share, um, when I share them, uh, it's, it's, it's like I'm kind of talking bad about my kids and laughing at the mistakes that they make. And they, we, we, we have those, or, or my parental mistakes. But sometimes there's good stuff that happens in, in my house as well. And I want to show you how this process works in, in, his, in his life this year. And so because uh, God develops us through destruction, right? And, and God often births ministry through misery. And then we'll begin to see what others can't see and care about what others don't care about. And so, you know, uh, one of my prayers for, for my kids is that they would, they, would, they would see people the way God sees them. They would love people the way God loves them. Uh, one of Leah's very specific prayers is that they wouldn't take as long as we took to really know Jesus. That we grew up in church, both of us, and we wouldn't give that, give that up for anything. And we really thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, but we, um, we, uh, we wanted, wanted them to experience Jesus like we experienced him at an older age, at a younger age. And so those are, those are our prayers. And so oftentimes in those prayers, my wife will, will say, hey, what I'm going to pray for them is I'm going to pray that God, because I want them to have those experiences, I would pray that God would break them. And, and as a parent, you think, well, that's kind of a rough prayer. Like you should, you should pray that they have a good life, they're protected, you know, hedge your protection, whatever that is around them, and nobody bullies them. And, and she began to pray that God would, would break, break our oldest son so that he could know him and rely on him and, and have intimacy with him and connection with him and, and all these things. And I want him to, to love kids the way that God loves them and to be a missionary in his school. And so these prayers are both going together. And the process is what? God has to break you before he makes you. God's going to use misery to build ministry. God's going to cause you to care about what others don't see what others can't. And so this year, uh, Carter had an awful year at school. As far as just personal-wise, like he... He had difficulty with, 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 with a kid at school picking. I've already shared some of that story. He, he went through seasons in, where he just couldn't even get dressed in the morning and just didn't know what to wear. And it was, a, you know, he went through all these things. And I thought to myself, why did you pray for this, Leah? Like this bad stuff happened and he's getting picked on at school. And we never told anybody. We never went to his teachers or his principal. And I told you before, I was really close to going in there and just busting a fifth grader's head. And, and I didn't. And we watched God move all through the year, but it really never stopped. The very end of the year, uh, Carter came to me about two or three weeks beforehand, uh, the weekend, and he said, he said, Dad, uh, there's a boy in my class, and, and everybody's mean to him. And, and the reason, by the way, he knew that is because everybody, a lot of people were being mean to him. 
And so he, what he was experiencing, right, God was breaking something in him to develop something in, through him, right? He was beginning to build a ministry in him through misery. He was seeing other people. He was seeing what others don't see. He was caring. He told me, Dad, I asked him to sit with us, and I invited him into my group of friends. And, man, I got his number. I'd like to have him over for a play date this summer. And, and it, my heart was like, this is... This is what I've been praying for. And, and, and then you begin to see, you know, just the way that he interacts. And, and you don't really know what's going on at school. And so here, here's, the, here's the coolest part of the story, the thing I want to just brag a little bit. Not, not a whole lot, just a little bit on, on him today. Uh, last year, he was in fourth grade. He was one of two fourth graders uh, that got an award uh, at the fifth grade assembly. So we got a call. We thought he was in trouble for something, and, and he wasn't. He was getting an award, and so the principal said he's getting an award, and it was, it was for perseverance or something like that. And, and so we went, and we, we, we watched him get this award at the fifth grade assembly. And the rest of the assembly, to be honest, is boring. It's, boring. It's, just, it's just a long hour assembly of them announcing kids in clubs. And so this year, it was, he was in fifth grade, and it was his turn to have the assembly. And so we didn't invite anybody and uh, make a big deal about it because we went last year, like, this is really kind of boring, and he's graduating fifth grade. And, you know, I know they, gra- they celebrate preschool graduation and kindergarten graduation and fifth grade graduation and eighth grade graduation and, and, and graduation from this. And so we're like, man, he's going to do this again ten times. Let's not invite a bunch of people. So we show up, and it's time for them to give awards, and they, they announce all the clubs, and they have very specific awards for for the kids and the first award was a congressional award of honor for um for for character and for work ethic and for all these things and as they read out what this was i'm not listening because here's my assumption if they were going to give him an award this year they would have called us first name they read carter dufresne and he goes up there and gets this award in my heart my heart leapt out of my body and the reason is because all of that pain all of that bullying, all of that, that hurt, all of those mornings that, that, that he went through, all of those moments, they, they, were all, they all made sense. Why? Because God was using a very difficult year in his life to develop something in my son. But it's not for my son and it's not about my son because it's going to develop past that. That award was great. But, but a couple of days before he got that award, I actually saw him begin to work in that ministry because misery in his life was causing him to see what other others can't see and to care about what others don't care about and that that went into this this little boy's side and I thought to myself God thank you for that moment in this year in my son's life God would you continue to develop him into the man that you want him to be so that he can accomplish all the things for your glory and that's how it works the difficult times the times where it's so hard where you're questioning God God what is going on what are you doing what are you thinking God is developing you to get you ready he's you're going to use that misery you've been through to accomplish a great earthly ministry for his glory you're going to begin to care about what other people don't care about and see what other people can't see and God's going to do incredible things in and through your life if you would just dig it up just dig up that moment embrace those moments don't throw them on the trash heap see what God sees in fact one of my one of the scriptures I want to close with is in 2nd Corinthians 4 it says this it says For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. These these troubles that you're facing are accomplishing and achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Would you do me a favor all over our campuses and would you just begin to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a second with me. There's going to be somebody at each campus that's joining us on stage right now. I think when you come to church, there's, there's, there's always 
specific things God wants to speak, and there's always opportunities to respond. Uh, so, so for a follower of Christ, your, your response is maybe just a willingness to go to that, that hurt place, that hard place, that dark place, that, that place where you like to keep it buried and say, God, I want you to show me the purpose of that. I want you to en- enable me to, 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 to forgive and to set free and to grow and to not, uh, to not become bitter in that area and to see the purpose, to see the treasure in those moments. And maybe you're here today, and uh, to be honest with you, when you think of those moments, um, you are so angry and you are so bitter and you are so resentful. And you, you, you are to the point where you would say, you know what, uh, there's not a God. And the reason there's not a God is because if there was a God, uh, then only good stuff would have happened in my life. But because of all these bad things, uh, there can't be a God. And I hope you would see uh, that that's not the story of, of, of Jesus. That the story of Jesus is not a promise that life would be easy. In fact, he says pretty much many times in the Bible, you're going you're gonna to face troubles of many kind. And you're going to face difficulties. Take heart, I've overcome the world. And he doesn't promise us a perfect life. That's why he came and died a perfect death. Uh, He's promised us a perfect eternity. Uh, But in this temporary world, we will face difficulty and pain and hardship. And it doesn't mean he doesn't love you. In in fact, that's what Satan wants you to continue to believe if you're here today and you're struggling with that thought that if God loved me, I wouldn't have went through those things. Because now I hope you have understood and heard me that the reason maybe you went through those things is there was a God who was developing you and thinking about you long before you were ever thinking about him. That he wanted to use those things you've been through to use your life. He wanted to develop something in you, that misery you've been through as an earthly ministry where you can find purpose and meaning and joy and contentment as he uses you for his glory. And that God is here right now. And he loves you more than I could even say. There's not enough time in this service, in this experience or on this video for me to even explain to you how much God loves you. In fact, I think he wanted us to know through, through the message of the gospel. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, that's how much, here's how much, that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So the question is, do you believe in Jesus? Have you received him as your Lord and your Savior? Because that's how we know how much God loves us. And so the Bible tells us that if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that in that moment you would be, you would be saved. And so what we do at Journey Church is I believe somebody comes every week to this place uh, and they need to have a relationship with God. They're not here by accident, that God knew the exact Sunday they would come, that God knew the exact seat they would sit at, that God knew the campus they would attend, and God has a good plan for their life. And God has reached out his hands to you through this message, through his presence, through his drawing, through his knocking, and he's here right now. And here's the thing about it, it's a gift. You don't don't get Jesus because you're good. You don't get Jesus because you're perfect. You get Jesus because you say yes. And so every Sunday at Journey Church, we ask people to say yes to Jesus. And so what we're going to do all over this house, there's somebody standing in the front at each one of our campuses. And if you would say, hey, hey, Steve, uh, today I need to get my life right with God through Jesus, That, that I have felt unloved, unwanted, neglected, but through your message, the power of God began to speak. Uh, and, and I believe that Jesus loves me and wants to have a relationship with me. And I want to receive that today. The Bible says that you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. So here's what we do. The confession is a bold step in our church of raising your hand. And the 
and the believe with your, with your mouth, confess with your mouth, is, is prayer. So we're going to believe and we're going to confess. We're going to confess with shooting our hand up in the air and we're going to ask Jesus to come into our lives. And so all over our campuses right now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. But I want to know, and we want to know, if that's you here today. If you need to get your life right with Jesus Christ. So on this day, uh, July 21st, 21st, 2019. Today's going to be my day. All across this room, if that's you, all over these houses, I just want you quickly to begin to shoot your hand straight up in the air so that we know all over this place that we're praying with you. Go ahead. Why don't you just begin to do that? And as you begin to shoot your hand up in the air, two things are going to happen. One, we're going to rejoice because heaven rejoices. And two, we're going to begin to pray. And so if that's you, just quickly begin to shoot your hand up in the air all over our campuses. And when you do that, in a very real moment in your life, you are saying, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want to know your good plan for me. I want to understand and receive your love. I want to believe that I'm not an accident. I want to see that you work all things for the good of those that are called according to your name and your purposes. And Jesus, today, that is going to be me. And as you do that all over our houses, we're going to pray and let's, let's clap together and let's, let's rejoice and let's, let's believe. Let's begin to pray all over this house. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it never returns void. Thank you that you moved here today. Thank you for those that are receiving you for the first time in their life or maybe they're recommitting their life to you thank you for all that you've done Lord thank you for saving us thank you for setting us free Jesus we invite you into the deepest darkest parts of our lives and Lord as we spoke today Lord I'm grateful Father that people have understood and comprehended God that you're a God that works through destruction in our lives that you develop us in the pain and the darkness Lord Lord that you oftentimes birth min- ministry through misery Lord and we begin in those moments as you do that to see what others don't see and to care about what others don't care about. And Lord, as you do that, Lord, you use us in very specific ways for your glory to build your kingdom. And Jesus, we are grateful, Lord, for all that you've done and all that you continue to do. And we rejoice with those that have decided today to make you the Lord of their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Hey, one more time, church, let's shout amen and let's clap together all over this house. It has been great to be with you today. You guys have a great week.